One of the biggest takeaways um, as we start this uh, the, this week is the beginning of the holiday season, the shopping rush we have at the end of this week, um, Black Friday and Small Business Saturday. And I think that one of the takeaways from the Facebook fiasco has been um, very definitely that customers know that they're not obligated to spend their money where they don't feel valued, respected, or if they feel that the company culture does not mesh with their individual and personal values. And I think that Facebook saw um, some of this pushback just with the election uh, fiasco with this um, constant um, touting of transparency, transparency, but really deciding to go with a lot of secrecy in how they were doing their their behind-the-scenes operations. Um, so I think that one of the... One of the key questions for Facebook, the biggest dilemma is can they solve their biggest issues and still at the same time move towards a revenue model as well as um, move towards a revenue model that can instill trust again in their customer base and also that um, truly does enhance the social good while also protecting the privacy of those on their platform. And I think that that's something that Facebook is really going to have to um stand up and be completely transparent about. Uh, We're seeing this because when it comes to leadership and company culture, it's not just the bright, shiny objects and how fast you're willing to fail, but it's truly what is the difference that you're making in your customer's life. Well, 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 it is the week uh, that is kicking off the holiday season. Feisty kittens, are you ready? It's like, yeah, it's a short uh, week this week, especially in the U.S. We have the uh, Thanksgiving holiday coming up at the end of the week. So everyone's hustling and bustling and kind of in that mindset of hospitality. And so it's easy to think of, especially this time of year, and if you're traveling or um, moving from one spot to another, Hospitality is something that we can um, often think of when we're thinking about maybe the hotel or restaurant industry and that type of service. But if you think about it, um, if you're in business, um, you are in the hospitality business. Customers are very clear on the fact that um, they can spend their money where they're respected and valued and where their values are respected and upheld. So we're all in the business of hospitality. And... Um, so this week it's been a doozy like there's we're still kind of getting the remnants of the uh, fallout from the Facebook fiasco lots of um, lots of things you know Facebook's been hit kind of from all sides over the past year uh, Zuckerberg taking a lot of heat for uh, some of the um, outcomes of the elect- elections and the Russian interference um, kind of um, the New York Times report that came out um, really highlighted some issues that people kind of knew were going on but really went into deeper detail and kind of shined a light a little bit um well especially for me on some of the behind the scenes antics uh i think one of the uh, parts of the report from the new york times that was really really highlighted was kind of cheryl sandberg and her behind the scenes machinations and you know kind of a, a little general you know cussing folks out at board meetings and the whole nine yards and so i think that one of the dilemmas that facebook is definitely facing is this um 
they push so hard and touted so long uh, about the transparency that is so important and is such a, a deeply embedded part of the operations of Facebook. And then we're seeing from behind the scenes here and with this New York Times report and other things that are coming out, we're seeing that transparency was kind of the buzzword, but there was a lot of things that were being done in secret, um, not only to push back on naysayers, but um, also some kind of offensive tactics as well. So just interesting to see what the fallout of this will be, um, seeing um, some of the fallout already, a lower employee morale, um, issues that they're constantly being called, you know, before Congress. Like, so there's things, Facebook is going to have to really um, decide, you know, as far as like their company culture and, and what that means. And even at the level of diversion and include, diversity and inclusion um, across the board, not just in employees, but in their way of thinking and in their way of approaching their business model, their revenue model, and in their relationships with their customers as well. Because we're seeing more groups like, you know, get rid of Facebook. You know, the, there's always these like, you know, the activist groups that want to take the platform down. But I think that you can do it um, in a more informed way. There's also other platforms that are starting to kind of, you know, pull ahead a little bit. I know uh, Mighty Networks is one of those that um, has kind of that Facebook-like experience. And I think that Facebook itself started that trend of kind of swallowing up the competition and then... Um, like with Instagram, like with WhatsApp, and swallowing up that competition, um, kind of um, taking in those customers and that customer base, and um, as opposed to just an outright copy. So it's interesting to see if um, other platforms will be able to kind of, you know, take some of that overflow from Facebook and some of those uh, customers that are leaving. But it really comes back to, um, I think, just across the board, I think any company, whether you're a, a a small business, you're online freelancing, whether you're a startup or a like a an enterprise company. I think that there are some takeaways uh, to this Facebook uh, story that can be applied across the board, especially when it comes to company culture, when it comes to um, your your core company brand and messaging, and how that actually um, lines up with your actual day to day actions and interactions, not just with your customers but also with your partners and advertisers I mean it's an ecosystem and how um, how well can you thrive in that um, and still be mindful of uh, making sure that you're at all, at all times creating an enhanced customer experience and I think that um, for me, one of the things that I saw, and I think one of the biggest takeaways that I saw with uh, Facebook is there is a level of idealism just in the operations, just in the mission statement. You know, Facebook has been very um, not shy in the least in talking about, you know, their mission is to change the world. And I was listening just, you know, and just doing some of the research uh, just this week about, um, you know, people's perspective on Facebook. And I was listening to an interview that he did 
started, I think, um, years back when Facebook was just getting started, the phenomenon, because it was interesting, they were actually still calling it Facebook.com when they were introducing him. Oh, this is Mark Zuckerberg, the um, founder of startup Facebook.com. See, now it's just the Facebook, you know, like, so they have definitely, it's it's been a huge leap just in the amount of time since this interview. But in the interview, um, a 20-year-old Mark Zuckerberg was being asked, like, you know, kind of what was the purpose, like, what was the plan for Facebook? And, um, and you know, and he sounded, you know, so bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and idealistic, and his thing was to change the world, you know, as the mission. And then he kind of, as an aside, said, you know, I want to change the world in the way that it needs to be changed. And, you know, and it was a bit flippant. It was, it was, uh, the comment was met with a, a kind of a chuckle from the interviewer who himself you know sounded very young as well so there there was this sense of adventure kind of that wild wild west we're conquering this unknown frontier and there was that bit of um what would later be seen as arrogance, but that confident cockiness that said, yes, I know what needs to be changed in the world. But I do remember even listening to the comment um, during that interview, I was struck with that sense of like, well, what makes this 20-year-old, you know, feel like he knows what's the best way to change the world or the best way that the world should be changed. And so that was kind of some of the idealism that Facebook kind of stepped out there like because is it possible is it possible for one person one company um, one culture to change the world or to know what's best for the world I think that we see that 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 becomes a difficult challenge and it, it does it have the potential to really stretch the boundaries of social good in ways that maybe companies it's not even necessary to traverse I know that um, a lot of concern has been pushed out about Facebook and how Facebook has kind of taken on the roles of like government and you know um, and, and they do they kind of the, those lines are blurred a lot and and I think that and is Mark Zuckerberg is it freely admitting that you know they that was not something that was even anticipated the level of um, influence that Facebook would wield in just our day-to-day -day lives that was not ever despite his uh, flippant comment that was never the purpose of Facebook you know and or or maybe it was and that's just not something that he anticipated or saw as a possibility I would guess one of the things that's always stood out to me about Facebook and it I think that it seemed a bit arrogant if not naive is this need to be the uh, like driving force for good not a but not a driving force, but the driving force for social good in the world. And to change it in the way, in the words of Zuckerberg, the way it needs to be changed. But who decides that? And how does one man or one company know what the whole world needs? And so I think that that's kind of, um, it, it's, a, it's a thin line there, and you don't want to stretch those boundaries of, 
the social good. It's one thing to, as you build your company, and whether that's a, you're as an individual in your brand or as a, as a larger company and a brand that is actually like making an impact across, like the thing is you're building your company, you're building the company values and your company culture around what your mission and values are. And as you're marketing and reaching out to people, then you're connecting with those that have your values. But at the same time, there there's the, the caution because you want to be careful not to attempt to instill values in the customer or in the, and I think that sometimes that can be the danger um, of that blurring the line of idealism and it's definitely something that with Facebook they've been accused by um, conservatives of kind of you know the, their voice being censored like the Alex Jones and the Info Wars that being pulled off so it's just the the thing is you, I think Facebook was not expecting the impact of having so many cultures and, and different perspectives and viewpoints um, all being kind of, like they said, Facebook, their mission is to connect the world um, more easily. So there are some pit, pitfalls of connecting the entire world because you're, it is a mesh of cultures and ideas and, a, and perspectives. And I think that one thing that Facebook was not anticipating and did not plan for um, as well as they could have maybe uh, was understanding that there would be groups of people getting online and, and spreading their ideas or maybe having those ideas and not really having anyone to um, to bounce those off of or to share those with that were connecting with each other on Facebook but these groups were getting on and feeling like other groups did not have a right to express and I I think that that's what Facebook was not anticipating, that this level of vitriol and hostility and the fake news and all of this, this, these, this manipulations, like, I don't think that Facebook actually understood that, yeah, there were other countries and other perspectives and other groups that would get on and take advantage of this tool and this resource, but they weren't going to necessarily be spreading the same message as Facebook and their idealism about making the world a better place because each of those groups had their own perspective about what would make the world a better place. And a lot of times it included vile, mean, and angry things. And it's like, and this, so it was giving it a platform. And I don't think that Facebook was actually anticipating that or really understanding the magnitude of that. It's like, and I was seeing that, like, years ago. I started seeing the nationalism. And so, you know, anyone that knows my story with Facebook, I um, know the, the group is no longer there. You know, I'm no longer on Facebook. I have uh, closed out my profile. But that's gone back, like, six years when I was first getting hacked. And, and I was noticing these groups. And because I was actually, like talking about it and bringing attention to these groups and this separatism and this nationalism that was coming online. Um, and I was getting attacked and I was notifying Facebook and trying to let Facebook know. And I was getting a lot of pushback 
from Facebook. And so I think that um, maybe Facebook in its idealism was not realizing that the level of bias that it held, not only towards the, um, not only in the way that it saw itself and its company culture, everyone knows about how cool Facebook is and what an awesome place to work there and they're making a difference. But so I think that there was a lot of that um, bias in because we're making a difference, we know the best way to do things and we've already anticipated even if we're failing fast you know or whatever it was but I saw like the nationalism because there are certain ideas and cultural and, and mindsets that in the U.S. which is where Facebook was started that when someone gets on from India or someone gets on from some other country, they don't have the same perspective. It's like the the even with cultures, like we look at um, like African Americans, we don't have the same culture as um, um, people of African descent that are in the UK or in other parts of Europe. We have totally separate cultures, so you can't assume that if, because we're all online on Facebook that we're all having the same perspective sharing the same views or even sharing the same values and I think that as other cultures begin to get on to what was predominantly an American culture and for what worked for Americans other cultures other perspectives started to pick away at what they didn't like about the freedoms of expression in American culture and so we started seeing all these flashbacks other countries were seeing like with the Egypt uprising like and they said they credited like the Twitter and social media and Facebook for being able to start the uprising but it's like so other countries were using these tools and resources and they were using them in ways that were although here considered natural freedoms of expression they were not allowed sometimes in the country that they were being expressed in so it was creating a disconnect and I think that Facebook got a lot of that uh, backlash from that but it was because it was something that was not anticipated so I think that we do have to um, even in our idealism for making the world a better place we do have to understand that there will be unexpected uses of platforms or ideas even that you toss out there and that that's got to be um that's got to be understood anticipated and respected i think at the same time because we we want to be careful not to instill our values on others and um but we do want to encourage those that share the same values or maybe are willing to open or expand their value system a little bit. It's like, you know, so it's just in the way that you're connecting with others. And I think that that's one of the things that Facebook was not anticipating. And then when they realized that there was a problem, there was a reluctance to address it right away. And I think that that's been across the board with a lot of things. I know like with mine, I was literally posting like photos of um, like my um, logs that were showing where my websites were getting DDoS attacks. And it's like, and it was not appreciated by Facebook. Like it was very much this thing of like, you need to go away. You to be quiet and I've documented that you know in um, the other like a, a lot of my other social media but it is a reluctance of these platforms to really to to be okay with maybe not all of our ideas are as or maybe the idealism cannot always be 
painlessly translated into the day-to-day concrete um, operations as easily as our ideals. So sometimes that does have to be shifted a little bit. And I don't think that Facebook realized that. What's good, feisty kittens? It's Tuesday, November 20th, start of the week. It's a short work week, but uh, it is a, the start of the U.S. Net, like holiday run. We're just a couple of days from Turkey Day, from Thanksgiving, and you're listening to Straight from the Hip with Courtney Jones. It's the uh, helping you deal with the ups, downs, and in-betweens of life in the digital world, in the digital world, whether you're building your life or building a business. It's like having all the resources, the tools, and sometimes just the listening ear to help you get through the day. So what's good, feisty kittens? It's like it's been a while. I was on a little hiatus. Um, just living. Uh, one of the things that I've been talking about all this uh, week and um, on the other social media as well, talking about some of the brouhaha uh, that has come from the Facebook fiasco and as a result of a report in the New York Times last week, talking about some of the background and inner workings of Facebook that we hadn't necessarily been privy to, but that kind of gives us um, a glimpse into um, the idealism behind Facebook and how they actually translated into the real world and then just looking from a not just from the Facebook social media empire standpoint but from the perspective of company culture of leadership and when you take on a mission uh, that is idealistic uh, in the way that Facebook did with their uh, mission to change the world and to connect everyone so uh, like really being clear on how your mission and your branding translates in the real world and how it translates for your customers. So we've just been talking a little bit about, you know, and, and when it comes to the idealism, where does the line to the, where, where is, the, how do you stretch the line of so, social good and corporate responsibility and at the same time make sure that it's not just idealism but that it's actually making a difference for your customers. Uh, one of the things that I've been talking about um, is hospitality and it's one of the things we don't think about it that much. Now this time of year is very definitely is something that's front of mind if you're traveling on any level. Um, I myself, um, I travel a lot. My thing is I do a lot of the, uh, I spend a lot of time in hotels doing a lot of recording. I'm always looking for specific amenities uh, when I am there, things to make it a little more comfortable to feel, um, to make it feel like I'm kind of close to the home experience. And so um, for hospitality has been a lot on my mind uh, this week, been um, kind of battling back and forth and so it's really brought to mind some of the stuff that Facebook is going through and looking at how when it comes to your company values your company branding how do you translate that to your customers and how do you allow that to mesh I think one of the things that companies are very aware of now is that customers are very aware of the fact that um, they their money has spending power and that they spend where they feel their values are reflected where uh, they feel that the things that are important to them are reflected and so how do you navigate that as a company as a brand that has things that are um, important and so like I've been um, and, and really understanding that um, 
people are more like for me personally i'm very reluctant to spend my money it's it's just a thing that i I don't spend my money where i don't feel that i'm respected where i don't feel that i'm heard and it's like and that is kind of the purchasing power of the customer and i've been kind of going through that myself just over the past uh, couple of weeks dealing with a uh, major like discount traveler and just i'm gonna go ahead and say it i've been dealing with hotwire um and you know hotwire is like their company culture their branding is very much you know like the discounted uh, travel so you know they were kind of my go-to app but I had an issue with a particular uh, property and so kind of had that in my sad face um, uh, queue as in one of the hotels that I didn't want to stay at and it was simply because of um, and I think I might have shared uh, an article that was in Fast Company on my social media but um, this particular company um, on a political tip, um, had been working very closely with ICE, um, you know, with the immigration, they were turning over their guest registry to, uh, ICE. And so for me, um, like I'm an I'm an African American woman. I'm a black woman that was raised, born and raised in the United States. So um, it's not necessarily an issue that would touch me individually. You would think, but myself, I am the grandma, the proud grandmother of the two biracial children who are Hispanic. So there is nothing in me that is going to ever spend money or feel valued or respected with a company that. Um, whose personal values do not mesh with mine and where I would not feel comfortable taking my family or where there might be some sort of a bias on any level if we were checking in uh, in my family and I so that's just not someplace I would send my money so I've kind of had a um, kind of a, a, a little thing with uh, hot wire um, that I've been dealing with like over the past like couple of weeks and it, it, it became a situation where um, I had booked the travel realized where the, what the property was was. And I called the property. I first tried. I tried to call Hotwire. Couldn't get it. To, couldn't get them to cancel it. I called directly to the property. Um, they did cancel the reservation. And then I called. I had called my bank and had them cancel the original uh, charge with Hotwire. And then I went ahead and uh, purchased from another uh, property. And so I think Hotwire was kind of mad because they missed their fees in the middle. I kind of cut out the middleman. But um, so it, it was in a situation where they actually held up my my bank like you know my money and so now once you get to the point where you're like holding up my cash so you've caused me inconvenience with having to go through the stress of like rebooking and finding another property then they hold up my money to where like my account was like blocked and you know so then when it gets to that point it's not only caused convenience but now you're going to be top of mind in your customers mind for not so pleasant things and so of course you know that's no longer a company that I would work with or use and it's not someplace where I would spend my money and it's like and so the other property kind of like got left in the the mix but it, it's important to understand that when you what your company values your company branding when you're doing your branding and your messaging you're reaching out to customers or potential customers and partners that share those same values that you do. And I think that, um, and I uh, talked earlier about with Facebook, being very careful and, and, and treading that line a little bit as far as in, in trying to impart or instill your own biases or values onto the customer. And it's like, and that's where it can get kind of scary here as we're seeing with Facebook right now. So um, just keeping in mind and how you uh, keep yourself front of mind. And when you 
you are marketing, how you're reaching out to potential customers and, uh, um, and potential partners. So it's interesting to see what the outcome. I'll keep you guys posted and let you know like what happened with the bank and everything. But just really seeing the power of the customer, recognizing and respecting that, and then making sure that that's taken into consideration as you're building your strategy for company culture. So of course I've been getting like all these questions like all week and people are saying, you know, like what are the takeaways here about what's going on with Facebook and how can we use that to either apply it to what we're doing or how we can avoid some of the pitfalls of, that Facebook was seeing. So, and I just got to say like across the board, one of the things, not just the company culture and, and understanding, because that's really important. It's like understanding, because we toss the buzzwords around, but understanding truly how your company company culture, how the individual biases within the company, and really there's an idealism that comes with creating your mission statement, but understanding how that idealism translates into the real world is incredibly important. It's something companies are going to have to pay attention to, but I think one of the things that's really standing out with this Facebook thing, and especially with the business model that Facebook has... Um, I see a lot of this third-party advertising, and it's like, and we do have this this section of the population that you know they're la la la, they're online, they don't care that their information is being um, you know passed around or sold. They see it as an even exchange for being allowed to be on the platform. But you also have others who don't necessarily feel that way, who still believe that privacy is important, and also people who are trying to build their businesses online, trying to build their livelihoods. They're especially like with um, most of you guys, like they're creatives, they're doing creative, exciting, and, and and dynamic things. So we're all idealistic, but I think one place where we're going to keep seeing companies get in trouble is with this third party um, and making sure that it's very clear how customers' uh, information is being shared. Um, like I said earlier, like I spend a lot of time in hotels, and one of the things that I see constantly, it's an, uh, I'm constantly asked, what's your uh, email address? They want your phone number. I'm not comfortable giving that information out because I'm checking into a hotel. For one, I do this show. It's not necessarily necessary or relevant for every person that I come across or people that I talk to if I'm checking into the front desk. So I don't necessarily, and because I do a lot of my um, stay locally here in Denver where I actually live, it's not relevant for every front desk person to know that I'm staying in the hotel. It's not relevant for other people to know that I stay in the hotel. But I have experienced over the past couple of weeks where I have given my personal phone number, not the business number, not the number to schedule appointments, but my personal phone number. And then I've had text messages come to me that have nothing to do with business. Um, I just said, I think I posted on Twitter earlier. I just got a text message this morning from the phone number. I've literally only given this phone number out to one place where I checked in. And it was like in the past seven days. But I get a text message today um, from someone, hey, I'm trying to figure out how this works. It was literally one of those sex lines, like wanting me to click a link to figure out how we could hook up later. And it's like, it's offensive. And then not only, and, and in this particular message, it was like a group message, and I was tagged along with like 35 other people. So where are they getting these phone numbers from?
Well, who is keying in this phone number somewhere that is allowing third parties that I'm not interested in and that I'm not going to spend money with, allowing them to invade my personal space and to take up my data by sending me a message I'm not interested in? Like, where does that come from? And I think that we're seeing more and more with these companies. And I get it. I get it that it's a, it's a busy digital world and you and it's, it's hard to grab attention. But there it, sometimes, like you remember even as a kid... And, um, and if you're raising children, you know that the negative attention, like sometimes kids want the attention and they're willing to take the negative attention as well just so that they can get the attention. I'm not one of those kids and I'm not interested in um, that level of attention and I'm not inter- interested in catching the attention of my audience or my potential customers through those type of tactics. So I think that it's really important no matter what industry you're in, whether it's hospitality, whether it's tech, whether it's um, you're a service-based business, be very careful in the way that you push your offerings, your services, or way you the way that you push this, um, it's very much this energy of we know what's best for you. And I think that we're seeing more of a pushback with customers where, no, you don't get to decide for me what's best for me. And I think that we're seeing that kind of pushback across all industries and it's like yeah we love and we embrace the technology but the technology does not have the right to take over our lives Mm -hmm.